Welcome back. Last time, you may remember, uh, Balak, the king of the Moabites, had taken Balaam, the soothsayer, up into the mountains of Baal. Uh, he's been trying to get Balaam to put a curse on the Israelites because they're invading, and uh, Balak is uh, intimidated by their numbers. And we're in the book of Numbers, <laughs> oddly enough, and we'll pick up the story at the beginning of chapter 23. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he sheweth me, I will tell thee. And he went to an high place. And God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? Now, when you think about it, this casts doubt on the whole idea of cursing somebody. If you can't curse somebody that the um, Elohim have not already cursed, what good is it to put a curse on anybody? Because, you know, if the Elohim curse somebody, they stay cursed, whether you've cursed them or not. <laughs> and if they don't curse them, your curse won't be effective. It seems to be what he's saying. Uh, Balaam's about to put himself out of business here, out of the, out of the uh, uh, spellcasting business. But of course, the words are not his, they're the Lord's. The Lord put the words in his mouth or whispered them in his ear or something, put a bee in his bonnet. For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me into another place, from whence thou mayest see them. Thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. So he took him up high to where he could see the Israelites marching toward them, stretching all the way back to the horizon. And he brought him into the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar.
And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. No, so there he goes, putting words in his mouth again. <laughs> and when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Now, it's kind of odd here that it distinguishes between man and son of man. Wouldn't a son of man also be a man? Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe by man it means full-blooded human. But the son of a full-blooded human might be a half-breed, half-human, half-alien. Now, it's interesting that when we get to the New Testament, if, if we were to, uh, we'll see that... Um, Jesus is referred to both as the Son of God and the Son of Man. So that sounds like, um, you know, a half-breed, sorry. You know, if, if the New Testament had been written in Hebrew, Jesus might have been referred to as one of the Nephilim. But of course, the New Testament was written in Greek, not Hebrew. So there's no mention of the Nephilim there. Now, another interesting thing about that verse is that it says that God does not repent, does not change his mind and change direction. But is that really true? Uh, you know, there's, there's been cases where Moses has talked him out of things, the Lord. Uh, and, and, you know, before that, didn't he change his mind about destroying all the humans on earth and decide to save Noah and his family to start the human race all over again? Well, yeah, he did. You know, if, if, if we interpret Yahweh Elohim as a single entity. But I think it's more likely that there were two Yahwehian factions, the Ankites and the Enlilites, one of which wanted to save mankind and one of which wanted to destroy them. And there was a power struggle between these two factions. I talked about this back in sermons number 50, the great flood reconsidered. But, you know, like I said, there was a couple times since then even that Moses argued with the Lord and convinced him to change his mind about destroying most of the Israelites. Now, was that really Moses who supposedly was... Uh, so halting of speech that most of the time he needed his brother Aaron to do his talking for him, you know, to be his mouthpiece. Or was that really Enki arguing with Enlil again? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel, the Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Whoa. 
The Bible references unicorns. Well, the King James Bible does. And, you know, to be fair, it could be talking about a rhinoceros, which, you know, also has a single horn and which really is known for its strength, unlike the, uh, the unicorn, <laughs> at least the unicorn as we conceive of it today. And the King James is the only major translation that says unicorn here. The others say either rhinoceros or wild ox or wild bull, despite the fact that, you know, the wild ox and the wild bull would have two horns, not just one. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? Now, if that phrase, what hath God wrought, sounds familiar to you, it might be because this was the message that Samuel F.B. Morse, the inventor of Morse code, sent when he was demoing uh, the telegraph, you know, to the, to the government bigwigs. Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift himself up as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. And Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh, that I must do? And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee unto another place. Peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. <laughs> yeah, that's not very likely. And Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor, that looketh toward Jeshimon. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams. <laughs> It seems like I've read this before. And Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And now we're up to chapter 24. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not, as at other times, to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Baor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob and thy tabernacles, O Israel. Now notice how several of these verses alternate the names Jacob and Israel. They're really two different names for the same person, if you remember. As the valleys are, they spread forth, as gardens by the river's side, as the trees of lime aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agog, and his kingdom shall be exalted. Now this Agog was apparently uh, an Amalekite king who was 
pretty powerful at one time. It's not clear whether it was just it was one single king or maybe this was the title of all the Amalekite kings. You know, like Pharaoh was the title of all the Egyptian kings, and they used Pharaoh as if it were a name uh, back in Exodus. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn, <laughs> or, or a rhinoceros maybe. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion. Who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. This is like a poem. You know, I think that maybe that's what that means when it says it takes, he takes up his parable. You know, he, he waxes poetic. So either Balaam is a poet or, or this is some sort of Yahwehian poem, you know, that, that they put in his mouth. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers which thou sentest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. And now behold, I go unto my people. Come therefore, and I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard the words of God, and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I think we're, we're going over the chorus again. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies. And Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. So now he's prophesying and, and foretelling that Israel is going to conquer Canaan and take possession of the promised land. And he may be prophesying things that are going to happen Far beyond that, not sure. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. And he looked on the Kenites and took up his parable and said, Strong is thy dwelling place, and thou puttest thy nest in a rock. Nevertheless, the Kenites shall be wasted until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took up his parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? 
and ships shall come from the coast of Chittim, or Chittim, and shall afflict Asher, and shall afflict Eber, and he also shall perish forever. And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. And that's the end of chapter 24. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. So the Moabite women led the Israelite men astray, and apparently not just sexually, but religiously as well. You know, they, they introduced them to their religion. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Now, Baal Peor was the, the particular version of the god Baal that was worshipped in Peor. See, there were several local Baals, which may mean that there were numerous local versions of what the one god Baal was like, or it may mean that there actually were numerous Baalite gods. You really have to wonder if, uh, if the Yahwehlians and the Baalites weren't two competing alien races, you know, both of which uh, were considered gods by humans, some groups of humans, you know, so the Earthmen, the full-stocked Earthmen, probably. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. Now, when it says to take the heads of the people and hang them up, it doesn't mean to behead everybody and put their heads up on pikes or something like that. It means heads in the sense of leaders, you know, ringleaders in this case. So when they hung the ringleaders up against the sun, that sounds like it means to crucify them in the heat of the day, kind of like they did or would do to Jesus later on. Some group would do to Jesus later on. Now the show art depicts it slightly differently. It looks more like they're, 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 they've been hanged uh, more so than being crucified. You can see them in the background over there. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. So kill all the initiates into the cult of Baal Peor, in other words. This one particular uh, Baalite that had uh, dominion over Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now they were weeping, as we'll find out a little bit later, because the Yahwehlians had visited some sort of plague on, on the Israelites and it was killing off a bunch of them. They, they told the story kind of out of sequence or, or else some passages were lost or omitted when they copied it. 
And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. So he found them doing it in the tent and he speared them in the act. And those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. So basically what it's saying is that Phinehas sacrificed this Israelite man and this uh, Midianite woman that he caught in the tent doing it. And, and he uh, thereby redeemed the Israelites who... Uh, the ones who hadn't already succumbed to the plague. Now, pardon me for pointing this out, but that means the Israelites, in effect, engaged in human sacrifice, or at least Phineas did, and Yahweh accepted that sacrifice, even though he had not asked for it, you know, which I guess is a point in his favor, or their favor. Uh, but he, you know, now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianitish woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianitish woman that was slain was Cosby, the daughter of Zur. He was head over a people and of a chief house in Midian, her, her father was. So they were both very well-known, well-to-do people, rich people, which, you know, I guess is how come just killing the two of them could atone for God knows how many common Israelites. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. That's the end of chapter 25. And it came to pass after the plague that the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saying, Take the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel from 20 years old and upward throughout their father's house, all that are able to go to war in Israel. So, you know, here we go with the census again and the uh, selective service draft boards. <laughs> and Moses and Eleazar the priest spake with them in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Take the sum of the people from 20 years old and upward 
as the Lord commanded Moses and the children of Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt. Reuben, the eldest son of Israel, the children of Reuben, Hanok, of whom cometh the family of the Hanokites, of Palu, the family of the Paluites, of Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, of Carmi, the family of the Carmites. These are the families of the Reubenites, and they that were numbered of them were forty and three thousand and seven hundred and thirty. And the sons of Palu, Eliab, and the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, and Dathan, and Abiram. This is that Dathan and Abiram, which were famous in the congregation, who strove against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah, when they strove against the Lord. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah, when that family died. What time the fire devoured 250 men, and they became a sign. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. The sons of Simeon, after their families, of Nemuel, the family of the Nemuelites, of Jamin, the family of the Jaminites, of Jachin, the family of the Jachinites, of Zerah, the family of the Zarhites, of Shal, the family of the Shalites. These were the numbered of the children of Israel, six hundred thousand and a thousand seven hundred and thirty. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, <clears throat> Unto these the land shall be divided for an inheritance according to the number of names. To many thou shalt give the more inheritance, and to few thou shalt give the less inheritance. To every one shall his inheritance be given according to those that were numbered of him. Notwithstanding, the land shall be divided by lot according to the names of the tribes of their fathers they shall inherit. According to the lot shall the possession thereof be divided between many and few. And these are they that were numbered of the Levites after their families, of Gershon, the family of the Gershonites, of Kohath, the family of the Kohathites, of Merari, the family of the Merarites. These are the families of the Levites, the family of the Libnites, the family of the Hebronites, the family of the Malites, and the family of the Mushites, the family of the Kohathites, and Kohath begat Amram. And the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt. And she bare unto Amram Aaron and Moses, and Miriam their sister. And unto Aaron was born Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And Nadab and Abihu died when they offered strange fire before the Lord. It's like previously in the Torah. <laughs> and those that were numbered of them were twenty and three thousand, all males from a month old and upward. For they were not numbered among the children of Israel, because there was no inheritance given them among the children of Israel. These are they that were numbered by Moses and Eleazar the priest, who numbered the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. But among these there was not a man of them whom Moses and Aaron the priest numbered when they numbered the children of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, They shall surely die in the wilderness. And there was not left a man of them, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
and Joshua, the son of Nun. And that's the end of chapter 26. And that's going to just about do it for this episode of Sermons. We'll pick it up next time at the start of chapter 27. Until then, keep the faith, keep adding up those numbers, and watch out for those Midianite women, unless you want somebody to bust into your bedroom and make a human shish kebab out of the two of you.